Jason. Jason. Yes. Jason, I think it's time to play the music. I think it is. Probably not the Bulls. Probably not the Bulls. Probably not the Bulls. Uh, this is, of course, the Fred Hoiberg podcast. Wow. Of Cash Considerations, the Fred Hoiberg episode of the Cash Consideration podcast. I'm Ricky. That's Jason. Jason, big news. Breaking uh, just a couple hours ago, Fred Hoiberg is out as Bulls coach. Midway through his fourth season. Uh, fired one game after Lowry Markenden returns. The timing of this, I think, is hilarious. It's not exactly, not exactly surprising. Uh, you know, basically, the shift at the, in the Bulls' power dynamic in the front office with Paxson sort of superseding Foreman at this point, uh, I don't think there was a ton of support behind Fred Hoiberg from John Paxson. But Jesus Christ, this thing was just a disaster from start to finish for the Fred Hoiberg era. Truly, the Bears' Mark, or the Bulls' version of Mark Trussman. Uh, and you know, they just botched this thing at every single fucking step. Yeah. I mean, just, just go back to when he was hired. It was like a running joke that basically once the, all that Tibbs drama was going on 2014, 15, and you could just like tell once the bulls got bounced in the playoffs that Tibbs was going to be gone. And they had the whole, that whole uh, nasty press release firing Tibbs. And then there was, like I said, it was basically a running joke, like the entire year that Hoiberg was going to be the guy. And he was the guy Like they didn't really do a coaching search. I talked myself into him like he was a good coach at Iowa State. Hoyball, hashtag Hoyball, all that, all that shit. They would have have a good offense, but he just never really, he never really found his footing. Although I will not, I mean, I, like I don't want to make excuses for the guy because, like, he has not really shown that he could be that like a good NBA coach and he could deal with like NBA personalities and all that. But like, if you just go back and just like look at the teams that they had under Hoiberg, like they were always just kind of a fucking mess. Like that first year post Tibbs, you still had. The veterans, like from that era, and then they were trying to. They did the whole younger, more athletic nonsense. Like so, that first year was awful, disaster. They missed the playoffs. Then they went three alphas. Then they trade Jimmy and are rebuilding and are trying to lose. And now this year you have like the half the team is injured, including Lowry. You mentioned Lowry comes back for one game, and I assumed that they were going to give him some time when Dunn got back with Lowry back in Bobby Portis. Now they fire him. So like Fred has just like never really had like a. Uh, I don't know, even though it's like, I, I don't think he's a good, he's probably not a good NBA coach. Maybe he'll get another chance, but like, this just goes so much deeper than Fred Hoiberg in terms of the front office, in terms of whatever decisions that they've made over the past few years, in terms of roster, roster construction and all that. So like, it's just, it's just definitely just a mess, botched, just complete, complete fuck up for the last basically three, four years. Yeah. My thing with Hoiberg is I actually think Hoiberg gets it. Like I would love to talk ball with Hoiberg, just off the record. Yeah, just, I'm just it brain on stuff. Like he's smart. It's just like, in terms of, I guess it's probably like managing the team, like, and just in-game decisions don't seem very well. Just in terms of like general basketball, X's and O's, like, I feel like he runs some good plays. He kind of, he knows like what the offense should be. He just like, he just, I, he just doesn't seem like he can get it through to, through to players. So like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I really don't even know what to make about like if Hoiberg could go somewhere else and be really good. I don't know. It just, the team has been such a mess. 
on all levels. It's it's hard to totally judge him, but I'm not going to say like he's good or anything. Totally. Like here's here's where I'm at with Hoiberg. It's like, does he get it? For, is the first question. Like, does this dude know basketball? Yeah. I think he does, and I think that there's been like a number of things that point in that direction throughout his failed tenure with the Bulls. You can start this year with the decision to bench Jabari Parker in the fourth preseason game when his bosses. Uh, signed Parker to a $20 million deal to play small forward, which everyone knew he wasn't a fucking small forward at the time. Hoiberg gets him in training camp and is immediately like, well, you guys are dumb. This dude has to be a power forward, and he's not even good at power forward. He's not better than Bobby Portis. So Hoiberg made, I thought, you know, a pretty proactive move and stood up for himself in that sense, too, by benching Parker. He also started Wendell Carter over Robin Lopez. How many coaches with their job on the line coming into the season are starting a 19-year-old over a proven veteran? But Hoiberg just saw something in Carter that he knew he was, you know, arguably the Bulls' best piece. He knew he was going to be a, you know, long-term foundation piece for the Bulls. So I do think that Hoiberg gets it in a lot of different ways. He also was never given a roster that matched his coaching style. I mean, the Bulls hired him to sort of break into the pace and space trend, uh, coming off, you know, Thibodeau's defense first mentality. Well, when he inherited the roster, first of all, remember D Rose gets his face broken in training yeah. that first year. He's playing with one fucking eye to start to start the year. Uh, Noah was just a shell of himself that first season. Well, he, there was that there was also that problem it seems like with communication. Fred has it seemed like has had problems with like some of the better players. There was rumors about the issues with benching or whatever. What is bench Noah? I can't remember even what year that was, but it was Noah and Gasol. He yeah. didn't want to start them together. So he said that yeah. Noah volunteered That's to come right. off the bench, yeah. which was a lie. And Noah, who was in a contract year at that time, was like no, I didn't do that. So Fred in a lot of ways too nice for his own good, I think. Uh, yeah, there was the Jimmy Butler coach harder and all that stuff. Like he didn't really get along with Jimmy. Not that Jimmy's the easiest to get along with. Like there have been like I, you mentioned like in terms of X's and O's, like gets it in terms of managing like NBA locker room and like the personalities and all that stuff. It seems like that's where he definitely falls a bit short. Well, totally. But at the same time, I mean the the main point in that is that you know Butler Butler saying that he ne- needs to coach harder. But does Jimmy Butler respect anyone? He doesn't respect Fred Hoiberg, but it doesn't really seem like Jimmy Butler respects much of anyone. So in hindsight, I think that that, you know, maybe doesn't look as bad for Hoiberg, but certainly he never proved that he could command the respect of a team, which is arguably the number one thing you have to do as a coach. Uh, You know, there's a lot of, like, duality, I think, to this decision to fire him. It's like, did the Bulls ever give Fred Hoiberg a real chance to succeed with the system they hired him yeah. to run? I think no. Yeah. And you, know, you can start at the roster he inherited, the way that then during that younger and more athletic offseason, they signed Wade and Rondo at the same time instead of actually signing shooters and more, more of a small ball approach that would fit into Hoiberg's system. Uh, but then it's like you can make excuses for the guy, but he never really proved he could command the respect of the team. He was supposed to be an offensive genius, and the offense always sucked. The Bulls were better on defense than offense throughout his tenure. And he only got the job in the first place because of his basically corn privilege, as Matt from Blackville likes to say, <laughs> from Iowa State. It's like the Bulls, when they hired him, supposedly embarked on a quote-unquote nationwide coaching search. I'm making the, the hand-wagging gesture right now because we all knew <laughs> that Hoiberg was the guy. Yeah. They were hired from the very start. So he got handpicked for this job without ever really having to go through the hiring process. And he never proved himself 
to be a good coach. So it's like, I do have some sympathy for him on multiple levels, but at the same time, the dude was gifted this job and never yes. really proved himself. So. And his con- we found out that his contract actually fully guaranteed. That $25 million coming his way. So I guess get that bag, son. He's, he's, so he'll be good. He, I know he said he wants to coach again. He's just go take some time off, r- rake in that money from the Bulls, make them pay him, and then uh, maybe come back and coach somewhere else like next year in a couple of years. Like, that's what he should do. So, yeah, I think he's going to be a front office guy. Like even reading his quotes uh, or just like sort of reading the tea leaves from the media guys who were talking to him off the record, it doesn't seem like he loved coaching college. Uh, because, you know, even if you look at the way he recruited it, it, at Iowa State, it was a lot of transfers. He was rarely, like, going after the the nationally ranked 18-year-old incoming freshman. Uh, he was mostly just, you know, taking chances on transfers to get his best players at Iowa State. So I sort of doubt that he is going to want to go back to coaching the college level. I think he'll do it if he can't get anything better. I don't see an NBA team hiring him after this disaster yeah disastrous stint in Chicago, I could see him getting a front office job because I do think there's some front offices, specifically Minnesota, that still respect I'm Hoiberg. just going to say, I feel like I've read that Glenn Taylor likes Fred Hoiberg or something. That'd be hilarious if he followed up Tibbs again, and this time in Minnesota. But they've turned it around a bit, so maybe they won't make any big changes there. But, yeah, I don't know. I guess uh, I, I was going to say, ultimately, like, we talk about them not giving – him in a, putting him in a position to succeed. So I guess ultimately, as we've kind of mentioned, like this goes higher than him. Like totally. How many? Like so? How long? I, I can't even remember. When did Paxson get hired as GM? This is Paxson's sixteenth fucking season, and this is something I was going to go in at. This is yeah. uh, going to be the fifth coach Paxson hired. I'm including Hoiberg in that because even though that was a foreman hire by the book, I mean Paxson was still objectively. Yeah, foreman. I mean he's. So. This Pat is the fifth foreman's boss. Like he John signed Paxton. up on it. Like if he didn't want to want to hire Fred or Fred Hoiberg, then don't fucking do it. Like you're you're you are the guy, the bigger guy there. Like he, if Gar wanted Fred, like but you didn't, then just say no and go find somebody else. Like it was clear that they were going to hire him because they didn't actually do a coaching search. So like Paxson should absolutely not be absolved, even if even if it was Gar's guy. Like Paxson signed off on it. There was no coaching search, so like they can that they cannot be absolved of that. John okay. Paxson fucking sucks. There's an entire generation of Bulls fans who have known nothing but John Paxson's reign of terror on this franchise. He'll never get fired because there's no accountability from ownership. John Paxson needs to do the owner only honorable thing there is and fire himself because he'll never get fired any other way. He tried to quit earlier and they basically just gave him a promotion and took some of like the day-to-day responsibilities off his plate so he wouldn't be so stressed. He but can't now handle the demands of the job. He's not forward-thinking enough to handle today's NBA. I mean, what has this guy done to deserve to be employed what, for what 16 What do you say years? you do here? I, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Totally. And especially now with this, with this firing going just, like, so sideways. Like, I know, like, Matt was, I know, tweeting about this. Like, you can't really decouple Gar and Pax at this point. But, I mean, there needs to be something with this front office. There are no signs that there's going to be any changes in the front office here. Like, I mean, if anything, Gar, at minimum, Gar Foreman should be gone. I mean, he's been here a long time as well. And like you said, that's like his hand-picked guy. Like, if you pick a coach like this with, like, no other coaching search, and he fails so spectacularly after, whatever, three, four years, and then you add in some of the other uh, just mistakes that were made leading up to the Jimmy Butler trade, like, I just don't know how 
you get so many chances to get to pick a coach or to get fresh starts. Like something has to give here with this front office. And I know Jerry Reinsdorf is all about loyalty, blah, 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 blah. But like there just comes a point where these guys have not had enough success as in the front office. Like I know they've, they had that long streak of whatever playoff appearances, but whatever, they made one Eastern conference finals. There have been a ton of bad moves in recent years. You can the Jimmy move is obviously looking a bit better now, but like this team is still absolute garbage right now. Who knows if they ever come together and are good. Like there's just, I, maybe they wait till the off season and some and they make a big change at the front office, but they're gonna fuck. They don't give a shit. The problem yeah. is the Reisdorfs don't fucking care. I mean, like, they have shown themselves. They've told on themselves so many times in this regard. You can go back to when Reisdorf said baseball is a religion, yeah. basketball is a sport. First of all, fuck you. Second of all, have some amount of pride. In this thing that should be this great global brand that you own. People all over the fucking world love the Bulls. Yet yeah. you run this team like you own the fucking Milwaukee Bucks. The mom and pop shop. It's okay. truly humiliating. And it's like, they just have to clean house. Yeah. Jackson like, does not is- deserve to continue to be in charge. And the fact that like uh, Hoiberg was a foreman hire, I think just means Paxson's job is going to be even more secure. Now oh, the Bulls... I, I totally agree. The Bulls' way of dealing with this is like, well, now we're going to give John the power again. Maybe John will sign Ben Wallace, and maybe John will trade. It's like, okay, yeah, Paxson made some good moves to build the Bulls into a decent team when they had no Sioni, Dang, Ben Gordon, Kirk Heinrich. That was 15 fucking years ago. Yeah, this thing, it's, it's been so good. The F- league yeah. today looks nothing like the league did then. And as long as those people are still in power, nothing's going to change with the Bulls. So that is really the main takeaway with the Fred Hoiberg firing. And it should go without saying, but, you know, Fred Hoiberg, not a perfect coach by any means. I still think we can't fully evaluate him uh, in terms of being an NBA coach, considering the front office never really gave him a roster he could work with that worked to his strengths of his system. So this problem, the Bulls' mask goes so far beyond Fred Hoiberg and goes so far above him. It starts with ownership, and then after ownership, it's this front office that is going to continue to be held to no accountability as long as the Reinsdorfs own the team. It's the front office's problem. It's not Fred Hoiberg's problem. So like to these Bulls fans who are like applauding that Fred Hoiberg is gone, it doesn't fucking matter. It really doesn't matter at the end of the day. As long as Paxson and Foreman are still in charge, as long as Michael Reinsdorf is still, you know, running this team based on his personal relationships more than based on uh, basketball acumen, and as long as Jerry Reinsdorf is clutching his Paul Konerko World Series ball instead of giving a shit about his basketball team, nothing's going to fucking change with this franchise. You mentioned the Michael Reinsdorf thing. I feel like, I think Michael Reinsdorf is, like, friends with, like, Gar's wife. Like, I don't know if that's, like, I think that was reported... So, like, that clearly is – there's a relationship there. Uh, Michael Reinsdorf had a – had a uh, – what was it? He had a, one interview, I think, in the Tribune earlier this year, and they talked about – I think – and I think, from what I remember, Casey, like, asked him some pretty good questions about, like, the fans, like, turning on the front office and all that, and, like, just some of the criticism that's come. But he had some pretty good questions. I remember – I think Reinsdorf said something about, like – Michael Reinsdorf said something about, like, the free agency and, like, getting free agents. And he said something about how – like spending twenty million on Jabari was like some great, like awesome move. Like, I mean, I know, I mean, I guess he can't really say anything else, but like, you can't like hold Jabari signing Jabari Parker twenty million at some great usage of the cap space that you've been hoarding. Like, whoever made that decision to sign Jabari, whoever made the decision to sign Dwayne Wade, that person has to be fired yesterday. 
And we don't know who that is. Is one of the big problems with the Bulls. Who made the decision to sign Jabari? Was that Paxson? That's who we're supposed to believe it is now, as him, you know, being more of the guy facing the media, the more forward-facing front office member. Uh, so did Paxson make that decision? If so, Paxson's a complete fucking dumbass and should be fired. <laughs> did Michael Reinsdorf make that decision? If so, Michael Reinsdorf's a complete fucking dumbass <laughs> and should not be interfering with his GM's job responsibility. Did Jerry Reinsdorf make that decision? If so, he either needs to sell the team or die. <laughs> or also, is, is Doug Collins still in this equation? Doug I was Collins. thinking about this. Like, they... They hired him, well, that was beginning of last year, right, to be, like, a consultant? I mean, I guess it's probably good that you don't, like, hear about him because I guess that would just be, like, too many cooks in the kitchen, you can argue, and a power struggle. But it's, like, I don't even, like, I don't even know what he, like, what, there's another question. Like, what does he do with the Bulls? And it's another question from the Bobs. What, next head coach, baby. What say do you do here? Yeah, they'll they'll hire him next, I guess. Or they're going to hire Chris Collins. Watch that shit. Yeah, there you go. That's, yeah, that, that joke's already been all over the place. It's, uh just hiring Chris Collins at from Northwestern, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I guess so I guess in that vein, like do you have are there any guys like I still have to think about it. I'm terrible about like picking head coaches I'm and, like Becky I, Hammond. What? I wish this bullshit on Becky Hammond. Becky Hammond's too good for this shit. But like that could be the one thing the Bulls could do where you're like, well, Bulls, at least you're not total pieces of garbage. Yeah. Like, I guess I yeah, I guess that would at least be interesting like I've seen, you see, like, those normal names, like, I've already seen, like, Mark Jackson. Like, that's mostly a joke. I would not touch Mark Jackson. Watch him hire fucking Skiles. I mean, Paxson's <laughs> hired Skiles once already. That would be the most perfect Bulls hire. Scott Skiles. Bring it back. Uh, that's it, my prediction for the coaching hire, Scott Skiles. I don't it, fuck. It'd be, it, they need, the Bulls, like, just need to find their, like, their Ricky Renteria. Well, yeah, here's the thing. It's like, the... The Hoiberg-Tressman comparison came into play so often uh, when Hoiberg was first hired. And people, like, you know, were sort of uh, hesitant to, like, fully grasp it. I feel like in hindsight, that's just definitely true. It's like no one respected Tressman, no one respected Hoiberg. The purported offensive geniuses just didn't translate yeah. to a higher level of competition. Uh, they just didn't command the locker room at the end of the day or the respect of their players. So now the Bulls are fully prepared to hire their John Fox. I'm sure about that. They're going to hire some fucking idiot, asshole, old school coach who is just not on this new, you know, on this new wave of how NBA basketball is played. What the Bulls desperately need to do is skip ahead and just get straight to their Matt Nagy. Do I have any confidence that they're going to do that? No, not as long as John Paxson's still running the show. And John Paxson's going to run the show until he either fires himself or somehow, like, takes another job. I don't know. John Paxson just seems like he's going to be entrenched forever with his organization. And, uh, you know, as long as that's the case, nothing's going to change. Yeah. I mean, I guess, like, looking at other names, I mean, I guess I mean, Boylan's not even an interim coach. They're giving him the rest of the year, and maybe he's under contract until next year. So and he's only making, like, um, didn't they say he was making, like, a million dollars? Well, like, there you go. Like, they, they could just keep him for cheap for a couple years. Like I said, make, he's basically the Ricky Renteria. Just, like, a placeholder. Have for cheap while you lose a bunch of games. Hopefully he, like, establishes a better culture. And then and, and then you hire their Matt Nagy in, or their Joe Madden in, like, a couple years or whatever. So, like, I don't know. I saw other names I've seen were, like, was, like, Jerry Stackhouse. I've seen his name come up. He's, like, That's a funny. I would love that. 
Stackhouse is a huge mouth. He would talk shit to the front office for sure. He'd call Gar a coward in the media. That would be great. <laughs> yeah, I, I would. I would take that. Like I other than that, though, Jackson. I've, I feel like I've seen Monty Williams' name because I think he's ready to get back into coaching. Like, I guess that wouldn't be that wouldn't be bad. I think he has Monty has Team USA relationships too, right? Doesn't he do a lot of stuff with them? Yeah. Or he has. So yeah. like, I guess I could get behind that. Like, I'm I'm just I'm always so bad about. Because I feel like I'm we always talk about like oh like I know so much about like coaching. Well, not that actually I don't say that, but like we we like to act like we know a lot about coaching and like what's going on behind the scenes and like. But like a lot of times, I just I I don't I don't really know. Like I don't know. They just they need. I guess the, they need a new front office, as we've said, but. I don't even know what they really need in terms of coach. They they do need to establish some type of culture because they had no identity on either end. They were bad offensively, bad defensively. Like they clearly do have some talented offensive players. Wendell looks like a he'll be a nice rim protector, but they need to get some type of identity, build some type of culture there because there's absolutely nothing going on. And again, that probably does start more at the top and have it filter all the way down through the coach and to the players. I mean, the real like model franchise right now to me is Toronto. Toronto has arguably the best GM. Look what Toronto did with their coaching search this year. Everyone rolled their eyes when they hired Nick Nurse. No one knew who Nick Nurse was. Everyone expected them to get a more experienced coach. Meanwhile, Nick Nurse might be the best fucking coach in the NBA right now. The dude is a genius. Every time he talks, I just totally agree with him. I was watching the Raptors-Celtics game. In his halftime interview, he's like, yeah, you know, uh, they're, they're getting more open threes than us, and we have to do a better job preventing their open threes and getting more open threes for us. It's like, yes, dude, that is the NBA game right now. Nurse just gets it. And the way the Raptors got him is they sort of, like, you know, ha- worked him up through their organization. I wish the Bulls had someone like that. Maybe it's the, the G League coach whose name is escaping me right now. Is it Charlie Henry? I'm honestly not sure. Okay. Uh, so maybe it's that guy, but I have no... Uh, confidence yeah, it is, in the Bulls ability to establish an infrastructure to like mold a bright young mind of a coach the way the Raptors did. I have no confidence in their ability to, you know, create any sort of culture that isn't this fake tough guy machoism bullshit that Paxson has been trying to, uh, you know, hone in on for 15 years. So I guess with Charlie Henry, like, he was an assistant with Hoiberg, like, and I don't think Windy City's that good. Like, they probably gonna are they gonna fire him next for maybe? I don't even know. Like, I feel like I don't know if they would if they're grooming somebody to be that guy. Like, I don't know if they're gonna bring in basically like a Hoiberg disciple. I don't know. It seems like that's something they would not do, but I have no idea. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. It's like this really wasn't Hoiberg's fault this season in particular. Like, Hoiberg getting fired right now is just absolutely ridiculous to me. Like. One game after Marcus, I, I, I thought for sure. Yeah, we talked earlier this year about how, like, we thought maybe Fred might not last this whole season, but then we thought I thought at least they would get whatever a few weeks with Lowry once it got done and Portis back. If they were still absolute trash, then like, yeah, absolutely pull the plug. But yeah, one game with Lowry, him coming off the bench, which you could probably argue that was a bad decision by Fred, like, him coming off the bench and playing with Cam fucking Payne is awful. And and not, no surprise, and this at Houston, like with Chris Paul back, like that's an impossible ask for the Bulls. And they were competitive for a bit. I know they went down big, but then they made a comeback, ended up losing by like 15, 16 points. Like they weren't going to win that game, like no matter what. And Lowry was clearly rusty, playing him off the bench with campaign and Shaq Harrison. Like, I mean, that's, it wasn't going to work out. So like, I thought for sure that they would give him at least a few more weeks. 
with Lowry back to see if they could find a groove there. So, yeah, the timing is just very strange. Maybe they just figured that they didn't think it was going to happen with Fred ever, and that they just were going to pull the plug now. But I don't know. I thought they would at least at least give him a chance. Yeah, it goes back to what Paxton said at Media Day. I quoted this in my season opening column for the Bulls. Paxton said, quote, our goal is to be the best basketball team we can be, and that's through this group coming together. We have talent. I believe that. How we come together, how we play, will determine what type of win total we end up with, but we're not going to focus on that. So that is Paxson immediately denying all accountability from the very start of the season. He's like, well, look at this roster. I have Jabari Parker. He can score 20 points a game. I have Zach Levine. Maybe he can score 25 points a game. Robin Lopez is a solid veteran. Chris Dunn's a top five pick. Larry Markinen, it's like, dude, fuck you. You built a team that sucks on accident. Like, you didn't even try to tank this year. You just built a shitty team when you were trying to build a competitive team. Now you're blaming Hoiberg for the lack of success. This wasn't Hoiberg's fault at all. I mean, they were, yeah, they had a fucking fault. They had a uh, over under of like whatever, 30 wins in Vegas. Nobody, people did not think the Bulls, it's hard for young teams to be good. And like all the, all the young players were hurt. So like, like we don't, maybe these young guys will be good. Like I still like some of these players. Like I I, I like Lowry. Levine is pretty solid. Like I don't like, we've had, we've shit on Jabbar enough. Wendell looks great. Like I still do like some of these players, but like, they were never going to be that good this year. Like there were obviously a lot of Sea Red Bulls fans. Like, oh, they could go to the playoffs. They could win forty some games. Like, literally everything would have had to have been perfect for that to happen. And it's it just it's hard for young teams to be good. Watch is why like there should the focus should have been on developing their core together, but the core was never together. So like, I don't even know what like they're they're getting really getting at here. Like, I feel like they will probably start playing a bit better once they get healthy. They're more talented than some of the other shitty teams at the bottom of the league. Like, they're better than the Cavs. they more talented than the Cavs. They're more talented than the Hawks. Like, the Suns are a hot mess again for the eighth straight year. Like, they're, they're a goddamn mess. And they just, but they just fired their their GM. Like, all these places have, like, have gone through changes with their coaching staff, with front offices. Like, they're changing. They're in the middle of, like, legitimate rebuilds. The Bulls, I think, thought they were going to be good this year, which was probably ridiculous. Like, they're a young team that's never played together, has never shown any success together. They need time. So like just it just needs to be a little more patience with these with these specific players, but I also do think they still need the front office gone because they've been here forever and they don't get another they shouldn't get another chance at a at a fresh start. Here's the thing. It's like basketball, the way the game is played and the way you think about the game at a high level has totally changed over the last five, six years. A lot of franchises have grasped this, and those are the franchises that are currently thriving right now. You could look at the Rockets, even though the Rockets suck this year, the Raptors, obviously the Warriors. But there's still a lot of franchises that have not grasped how the modern game works or how the modern game should be thought about. It's sort of like if you go to like the Moneyball era of baseball, when like Billy Bean was the first one who realized how on-base percentage worked, and then slowly yeah. everyone kind of figured it out. The Bulls are like the team that still doesn't know what on-base percentage is, or they just don't give a shit. Uh, so as long as you know these same people are in place, I just feel like nothing's going to change. And that's pretty much it, man. Rig, I, rig, rig, have, let's get back. Get rig the lottery. Zion Williams. <laughs> we're, we're back to that again. <laughs> right. I, I told this to Paul Flannery today when uh, Paul and I were talking after the after the Hoiberg news went down. I said, 
you know, basically, if the Bulls get Zion, the rebuild will be looking really good. If they don't get Zion, they're probably going to be overpaying a free agent veteran in the next year or two and chasing the four or five seed forever, which is, you know, conceivably what they could have done, just building a good team around Jimmy Butler. The Butler thing is just going to continue to hang over this team for as long as Butler's a stud, for as long as the Bulls continue to suck. It's like, we all talked ourselves into it, or a lot of people talked themselves into it at a time, because... LeBron's never going to leave the East. The Warriors are never going to break up. How are you going to win a chance? It's like, do you think the Raptors would have done that? No. They would have found a way to build a good fucking team around a star player. Instead, the Bulls just threw their hands up. They're like, well, we're not good enough to do this. We're not smart enough to figure out how to build a good team around a stud, two-way, top 10 overall player who's on a team-friendly contract. So they just fucking traded him. And there's hope in the rebuild. There's certainly hope. But there is no guarantee. Oh, no. I mean, if the Bulls yeah. get the seventh pick again this year, and they're not going to get someone as good as Markinen or Carter, I don't think. I mean, who, who knows? But I don't think they're going to get someone as good as Markinen or Carter. I mean, it's just, it's, it's hard. Like, just under, like hard. it's all a fucking disaster. Rebuilds are hard. I, mean, I mentioned the Suns. Like, the Suns have been in drafting in like the top five or whatever for years. And they have like seemingly good, like, Devin Booker. Is, I feel like Levine and Booker are like, kind of similar in terms of like they're really good offensive players not exactly good defeat they might not be good two-way players though and like deandre Aiden's a monster but i don't know about his defense and like they have like a, they have talent there all these high draft picks but they're fucking, they're like as bad as ever like they're all this all this young talent can look good like individually like i like like as i mentioned like i like some of these guys as individual pieces whether they you can actually bring them together and make a championship team like the Bulls are still obviously just so far away from that. Like, even if they are, they do look a little better for the rest of the season, which and at this point, the Bulls should absolutely take. They're 5-19. and 19, They're, like, seven games out of the playoffs. Like, to even get to whatever, figure, like, you probably need, like, 40 wins for a playoff spot. The Bulls would have to just play completely out of, the, out of their ass for the rest of the season, which, like, I guess, I guess if they did that, great. But, like, at this point, they need, they need to go into the tank. They need to trade veterans, trade Robin Lopez, or buy him out, trade Justin Holliday the Warriors, the Sixers, or the Rockets, or something like that. They just need to play the young guys as much as possible, play like Felicio, play play Cameron Payne, play Archie Diakono off the bench, and then you get the, the play the core guys together as much as possible. If they win some games, fine, but like they, they need to go just full in on this rebuild and try to lose and try to I guess organically tanking with just a bunch of young players. Like there's no point in actually trying to delude yourself into thinking this team is going to go anywhere this season because they need that they need another stud like. As much as I do like some of these young guys, like, like I said, I like Lowry, I like Wendell. Levine is a little better than I expected. I don't know about Chris Dunn. They still need like this one like legitimate star to bring exactly. like, the title. Exactly. rebuild is missing. They're missing a superstar. Because then like, everyone like, else falls into their roles. Then you have Levine as sort of the number two scorer. You have Lowry as the guy who spaces the floor, who can also pop off for 30 on any given night. You have Carter as the dude who is like more than meets the eye on both ends of the court. Someone who's elevating the game of everyone around him, offensively and defensively. But none of that happens without that top-level guy. And the thing is, if they don't get that guy this year, do you really think they're going to be in position to get that guy in the 2020 draft? You know what I mean? Like, they're not going to want to be dog shit again. Because yeah, I feel like, like I said, I like they're going to tank enough. for a third straight year. Right. I like them enough where I think they'll be good enough. I, I mean, I thought this year that they were going to be good. The injuries have... Obviously made them way worse than expected, but like I, I do think they're going to win some games on these guys back because I don't think they're that bad. But like if they don't get that like guy to bring it all together, they could be a team that settles into a where they're winning 
whatever, 40 some games. So like, and they could be kind of fun, but like, if the goal is, if we're looking to win a championship here, like, they do need that that legit start. I think bring bring this all together. I mean, and they might not even get to that level of being like a consistent playoff team. Like, I feel like they they could possibly with these young guys. And like I said, I like these guys enough where I think they could come together and be like a solid, decent playoff team. But like, if they're going to be like a high level competitive team, they clearly need at least one two way, just two way total start to bring it all together. Hey guys, I just got an email from CLTV asking me if I could be on Sports Feed with Jason tonight. So we're going to do a Cash Considerations podcast, I guess, live on CLTV. That sounds that awesome. <laughs> I love it. I'm going to need to not say fuck so much. Yeah, we're gonna, that's going to be my biggest issue. Can I talk about John Paxson without swearing? It's going to be very difficult for me. We'll, we'll make it happen. We can do, we can do it. I, I have faith in you. We'll make it happen. So, yeah, it's like, I don't know. I think that if you... If the Butler trade just looks worse and worse and worse as the years go on, I think, unless they somehow luck into a super-duper star in this draft. Because if they don't, I don't expect them to tank again in 2020 to try to get the first pick in 2020. There's no way that's going to happen, right? Do you agree with that? I feel like like next year, like, they'll probably add some... I would guess they get no big players in free agency, especially if, like, they tank again. Like, they're bad. Like, no one's going to want to sign there, even with promising young talent like there's no no big players gonna want to sign i've i've semi talked myself into trying to throw the bag at kemba but that kemba's could be insane kemba's super good yeah but i don't know why he would come to the bulls like if they're terrible again like why exactly. would he do that? so like yeah so like i feel like again as i've said i think they're gonna win enough games down here against enough of these other shitty teams where they'll get where they might get into i don't know even like maybe they're maybe like fourth fifth worst perhaps something like that, and hopefully they get lucky in the draft. And then they're definitely, and then they'll probably take another step forward next year. They'll probably like add some veterans to fill out the roster. So you have some decent veterans, your young, your young core there. And then, so then again, next year, they'll probably be a team that could be whatever, mid to high thirties. Maybe they, maybe they fight for a playoff spot in the terrible East, but they're definitely going to just kind of be like kind of in that middle there with, they need, again, they need, unless they get somebody to take just an absolutely enormous leap, Maybe that happens. Like, I'm not going to completely rule out Lowry, Lowry just becoming a complete stud in year three or yeah. somebody else. But, like, that's it's a long shot. So, like, they definitely most likely will need that complete stud in this draft because it's not because they'll be good enough in 20, uh, next season to be more towards the middle or back into the lottery, something like that. Exactly. And, you know, it's just another – it just reflects on the front office that they thought that – you know, hitting the reset button with the Butler trade by not having enough confidence in their own ability to build a good team around a star player in the prime of his career on a team-friendly deal, uh, that they thought that this was their best shot at contention. Well, let's see how smart you guys are because, you know, they did hit on good picks, I think, with Markinen and Carter. I think we can all agree on that. Uh, The Butler trade, the returning pieces, certainly don't look terrible, but it's still so hard to build a good NBA team without that top line talent that they had in Jimmy Butler. I mean, shit, add Jimmy Butler to this mix right now. And I think the bulls are looking really good. You know, if they can sign Butler as a free agent, <laughs> be perfect. It's never going to happen. Obviously not. Yeah. <laughs> it would be hilarious. Um, I, th- I feel like what's going to happen. I, t- I mentioned that I think they're going to win some games. I mean, they're definitely going to, I feel like they'll be better. They probably won't. I don't think they're, I don't know if they're actually going to try to tank the rest of this year. I would guess not. I mean, if anything, they'll play their young guys. And if they're decent, that will buy the front office more time. It's like, well, see, like we did good with 
we did better with this young core at the end of the year. We just and we got off that tough start full of injuries. Like they'll they'll give them an excuse to like keep boiling next year, and they'll they'll look all right. So then they'll be like all right. So then next year we'll we'll run it back again and we'll see what happens. Like, I feel like it's just gonna it's just kind of like kicking the can down the road in terms of like this front office and the rebuild. Like I like I don't want to be just totally ridiculously negative about the state of the current roster because I do like some of these guys. Just I just don't think in terms of we're looking at a championship building organization. I just don't see it right now. That's, they run that's themselves it. like a fucking mid market team. It's so ridiculous. So now here's the real like barometer for this, right? Like Durant is probably going to leave the Warriors. People are talking about Durant going to the fucking Knicks. But not the Bulls. It's because the Knicks, for as dog shit as they've been for 30 years at this point, at least the Knicks will present themselves like a big market organization. The Bulls present themselves like the Pacers. Yeah. It's like the Bulls should be a Kevin Durant suited, if you think about it. I mean, they got young guys coming into the prime of their careers. They have enough money to max them out. They're going to add another top draft pick in this draft. If Kevin Durant is looking to be the man somewhere else, to be in a big market, to be in the East and compete for finals, and to be with a franchise with a long and proud history, the Bulls are a perfect place for Kevin Durant. But you haven't even heard someone whisper about the Bulls being a Durant suitor because everyone knows the Bulls run themselves like a JV team. I agree. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah, there's really no reason. Like we see every time these big free agents come, it's like the same teams are always involved. Like they'll be. You don't even hear the Bulls. Like I mean, I guess back in the. Di- few years ago when they were going after LeBron, Wade, Mello, whatever. But, like, the last few years, like, no one ever talks about the Bulls as, like, an, a de- destination someone wants to go to. And it's just it's just freaking unfortunate. And this this market, like, you, everything you mentioned, like, but right now, it just, it, I don't know. It's just not there. It's, they're not that attractive right now because a lot of people, I feel like, a lot of, I don't know. It seems like also, play, I, I forget, totally forgot to mention this, but it seems like I wonder what their uh, – the viewpoint of them around the league with players. Did you see the comments that Derek Rose made? I, was gonna, I had that up and I was going to read that. Yeah. Uh, go, go, go do that right now. Okay. So uh, that was Chris Hine who had that quote from D Rose. Uh, give me just like two seconds to pull it up. Uh, okay. So Rose, I'll, I'll read the full thing. So Rose said, I would like winning sixth man of the year. I don't think that's anything bad to say or a bad goal with me coming off the bench. I want to be the best bench player. It's just how I feel. If anything, I think it helped the team. More Rose. This is the happiest I've been in a long time. Coming in, not worrying about the media like I did, like I had to worry about in Chicago or dealing with the front office like I did in Chicago or just dealing with any problems. Yeah, it's like... I, I I thought that was telling. Rose was trying not to say anything and still was a little bit revealing in that, like saying that he had to deal with some bullshit from the front offices because there's been nothing but bullshit with this front office. And it starts from the top down. And honestly, Fred Hoiberg, take their fucking money. Don't get another NBA job to offset the salary they have to pay you. Just take Jerry Reinsdorf's money and chill out. Spend some time with your kids. Spend some time with your wife. Try to find the next front office MBA job or the next college job that's actually a good fit for you. You're making a ton of money for this next, you know, year and a half. So just chill, Fred Hoiberg. Milk the bulls for all they're worth. Because for as much of a raw deal as Hoiberg got in terms of the roster construction around the team, he also got a bag from Reinsdorf to really do nothing other than just be a mouthpiece for Foreman. 
so Hoiberg, enjoy it. You do you. Fred Hoiberg, if you're looking to do like winners and losers from the boys hiring, firing Fred Hoiberg, Fred Hoiberg's the biggest winner here. He's still getting paid. He doesn't have to deal with this bullshit anymore. He can take his time, evaluate his options, find a better job. It was never going to work in Chicago. His bosses were fucking idiots. Hoiberg, you're coming out on top of this in the long run, I think. Yeah, I do want to go back to the Rose comments again, though, just because, like, if you remember when they traded Jimmy, didn't Jimmy's, like, trainer or some shit, like, tweeted some stuff about how, like, Gar Foreman's a snake? Yeah. So, like, there's that. Like, I feel like, no, I don't know if, like, Noah left the front office on the greatest of terms. Like, I, I feel, and, these, and you, you hear this stuff, you read this stuff, like, and you know these guys talk. Like, it's like, how many people, like, or, or how many, like, stars, are, like, around the league, like, have good things to think about the Bulls, given like all the stuff that's happened. Like I feel like these guys probably hear this stuff and like read it, and like they don't want, they wouldn't want to come like to deal with this for an office. Like that's it's unfortunate. It's just like another reason why I feel like they just need a total fresh start from basically the top down. Is because I, it's, I, I don't, I don't know if players like actually would want to come play here at any point. And it just fits into the larger discussion point of the Bulls running themselves like a mid-market team. And not a big market team. It's like the NBA is so dominated by big markets. It's not like this in any other sport. It's not like in football, all the players are like, yeah, we want to go play in New York and L.A. It's not really that way in baseball. I mean, those are the franchises with the most money in baseball, and there's no hard salary cap. But in the NBA, it's all about big markets. It's all about the glamour franchises. The Bulls are one of these franchises. And yet they like push that responsibility off the table. Instead, they're just doing the best they can do with their limited resources of making the most fucking money in the NBA for like 30 years. You had Michael Jordan. They should not be running this team like they're the Pacers. Yet they do because that's the mindset that comes down from ownership, comes down from the front office, and it permeates through the rest of the organization outward until the entire league. It's the story right now. It's been the story for decades at this point for 15 years under john paxson for what 30 years under jerry reinstorf it's not going to change jason it's not going to change until <laughs> things change at the top yeah i'd said yeah don't really just you basically put it you put it perfectly i really don't even have anything like else to add about that like so i'm i'm hoping i'm hoping and praying that that, th- that these young guys work out whoever they hire next or they keep bowling around i'm hoping and praying that that it works out but right, right now there's just there's just not a lot to be excited about for a 5-19 and 19 team that just fired their head coach and with this front office being around here forever and it seems like nothing nothing changing there. Like, it's just hard to get super excited. I was, I was kind of fired up for, like, Lowry to come back. Like, I was excited about that. I didn't get to watch the whole game yet. I was playing, playing and re-watching it and, like, really trying to, like, get into that. And now they, and now they drop in this on us. So, like, I'm going to try to talk myself into getting excited for, some, for watching the young guys again. But just, like, in terms of, like, just big picture, long-term, like, turning this franchise into a champion again like just we're at a low we're we're at a pretty low point right now (sighs) no hope man the the league needs to save the bulls from themselves it's in the nba's best interest for the bulls to be good that's all i'm saying rig the lottery rig it they haven't rigged it in 10 years for us come on we deserve it once a decade (laughs) it's time to otherwise this franchise is just going to keep putzing around like, they literally need to be saved from themselves because they're idiots. And when the Bulls are good, the NBA is making a lot of money because the yeah. Bulls have a huge global f- fan base. They have to do it, Jason. We need Zion. 
I need a Zion statue of Zion dunking on the Jordan statue. That'll get me a lot of good Twitter replies. <laughs> Give me that in 20 years. All right, it's, uh, it's SBN underscore Ricky if you want to tell me to, you know, go off myself on Twitter or something. <laughs> the Bulls need to be safe from themselves, man. Yeah, I know. Uh, that's pretty much, I guess, all I got for now. Like, so we will be talking about this later on uh, CLTV Sports Feed, I guess, and also the Bulls. They have a game tomorrow, so I guess they'll probably be huge underdogs. So uh, go bet a lot on the Bulls with the firing coach bump in Indiana. The Pacers won't have Victor Oladipo. So the Bulls are probably going to win some bullshit game tomorrow on the back of the, uh, the old coach firing bump. I'm, I'm thinking. I don't even know. Like, that wouldn't even be the best thing. But, like, it's, it's going to happen because it's just it's something stupid that would happen with the Bulls. Yeah. Well, we're still doing a Bulls podcast for the rest of this year. So Damn we're right, still we stuck are. this bullshit. <laughs> Right. Uh, Fred Hoiberg is not. So, Fred Hoiberg, you got your bag, man. You might have ruined your reputation in the process, but you know what? $25 million, I'd ruin my reputation for $25 million. Yeah, Fred will be fine. Like, Fred seems like a nice guy, like we said. Just go off and enjoy, enjoy yourself for a bit. Enjoy that money and uh, make the Bulls pay you. And just, just do that. All right, uh, Bulls, fuck you. We hate you. You suck. We're a <laughs> franchise who we don't respect. <laughs> This has been the Cash Considerations Podcast. For Jason, I'm Ricky. Play our music out. We got you, man. Well, they're certainly setting a lot of money on fire right now. All right, we're out. Later. Peace.